The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, brought to you by Narcanon Suncoast. Hello, Jason. Hello, Joni. Here we are, week... Episode 75. 75. My... It's, We're closing in on 100, I'm I, telling you. I, I that's exactly what I just thought, is when we get to 100, we have to have something epic. We, I know. Celebration, we'll, something. <laughs> we'll do, maybe we'll do Facebook Live or something. We will definitely do something epic, and we'll, I will get cupcakes again, like I did for your birthday. Oh, yeah. That was a very good <laughs> cup. That was one of the best cupcakes I've ever had, far and wide. Um, this week has been interesting. Okay. It's been good. We, uh, Me and my executive director and I went to a Narconon conference in Los Angeles at um, the Narconon International Headquarters. Um, and right now, he's sick of me saying I'm jet lagged because apparently it doesn't work West Coast to East Coast. It only works East Coast to West Coast. Um, and so I keep messing with him and tell him I can't do things I'm jet lagged and he's kind of over it. But it's really funny. I don't think that's true. I think it's worse coming this way because you lose three yeah, hours. Yeah, that's what I thought. And you were... And you arrive and the whole day is gone. Yes. You know, you've been in the air five hours, but eight hours is gone. But true. it is either true that, well, either way, you can get jet lag either way. I'm either way. Um, and it, it was a great, it was a great trip. We actually got to go out to Los Angeles, like I said, to the Narconon International Headquarters. And I actually got to meet not only the representatives that work with Narconon that I've known for years and have never met because I haven't gone out there, but I also got to meet people from Narconons worldwide. Right. And that's the part I found really interesting is because I know I was telling you before we started recording, it's easy to sit here in Clearwater at Narconon Suncoast and feel like I'm in this enclosed bubble. Well, because Clearwater is a small town. It's a small town. I mean, let's face it. It's like a couple hundred thousand people. That's a small town. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, looking around at our center and, you know, the staff I have and, you know, what we're doing here, it's easy to fall into the thought of like, oh, well, we're the, they're the only people in the world doing this and what's going on is going on here. And then you get to a, a venue like that. And I'm talking to the executive director from Narconon, Nepal, uh, Nar- Narconon, Mexico, Latin America, um, you know, the executive director who's going to run the one in Canada, like all over the place. We even had someone from Australia there. And it, it's pretty wild to see because you realize you're part of this like planet-wide campaign to get people off drugs. And interestingly enough, as bad as I as I feel the the drug problem is the United States, it's bad everywhere. Right. I mean, across the board, I got to hear you know about the the different societies around the different narcotics worldwide, and it's almost the same. The drugs of choice may be slightly different, but. In general, there is an overall planet-wide drug problem. It's right. not its not something that's isolated to the United States or North America. It's, it's all over the place. I was even talking to uh, the executive director of Narcodon in Nepal. Right. And, drug- Steve, and we've talked about this before because Steve, one time when he was boosting the podcast right. on Facebook, he was looking at, you know, what country has a large drug problem? And we've talked about this on the podcast because mm-hmm. we've interviewed a couple of people from India. India yeah. And... Yeah, there's a big problem there. And so you were telling me that the Narcanon Nepal is actually the largest one right yeah, now in the world. From what, Yes, from what I understood, it was just the biggest one in the world, and they have 90 people in there. Right. Did he say what drugs they see a lot of? That would be something I would be interested in knowing. He was kind of a celebrity while he was there because he's really popular amongst people. He's got a really cool personality. Okay. And um, I didn't get to ask him that, and I wanted to because I was curious because it's like – to me, when I think of Nepal, I think of like something at the bow- base of like Mount Everest in the Himalayas. Like, what could possibly 
Well, but, they get, there, the, but, they, get the, be, but they get the people from India totally. because they're right next door. Right. And I would, I would be curious as to what the drug of choice is in India. Yeah, I would, you know, I would be too. And I wanted to, I wanted to ask. Unfortunately, I didn't get to. But it's interesting because he said the the government, the Nepalese government, is so supportive of Narcanon because apparently there's like, I think he he quoted a statistic that between Nepal and India, there's over like thirty million people addicted to drugs. I believe it. Because if you think about it, in India alone, there's one billion people. Right. And there's like a seventh of the world's population there. Right. And then Nepal apparently is pretty crowded too. And I think he was like 33 million drug addicts. That's insane. Yeah. That's like a staggering number. Yep. Because, and mean, so even though they have 90 beds, they still have quite a situation there in front of them to handle. Yeah. And the and the government in, in Nepal loves Narcanon out there because it's helping their society because there's such a problem with drug abuse. The uh, executive director of Nepal actually was a police officer, I think, at one point. And oh, then wow. moved into uh, running a Narcanon. And it's, pre- it's pretty great how he got the whole government to back them. And it's it's a really neat thing to see. Um, and that would be nice coming from the law enforcement end of it where it, it you're not really helping people. I mean, you are. You're helping the situation because you're doing the law enforcement end of it and trying to, you know, outlaw the really bad right. dealers and manufacturers and such. But it must be nice to be on the other end and actually see people get better. Totally. And, you know, it's interesting because the United States is one of the few countries that uh, judicial system is kind of the way it is in regards to its response to drug the drug crisis. Because a lot of the country has this idea that we can arrest our way out of the drug problem. And it's, you, you can't. Which we've talked about. Yeah. You, like, you, oh, you're a heroin addict. We're going to just arrest you yeah, and put like, you in jail. And that's going to solve what exactly no, you well nothing become a better which criminal is, right which is house. why it doesn't work did he happen to say if his facility is full most of the time i, I the impression i got is that it is okay um, that they're pretty they're pretty full interesting and, and and another interesting thing i didn't know that the country outside the only other country outside the united states have as many narconons as we do is italy there's like, six, there's like six Narconons in Italy, wow. um, and there's a huge, huge, huge support of Narcon in in that country, and there were representatives from three or four of them, and it, it's kind of wild. Um, they have some of the biggest Narconons out there, too, and uh, it's just kind of fantastic to see everyone all on the same page, even though we speak different languages and all sorts of stuff. It's just like the program translates identically no matter where you are, right? and uh, it's very nice to see worldwide success. Yep. with what we're doing because at that point it's like I feel like I'm making an impact now right I, even though I did before it's just a really neat thing to but see but now you because, see it worldwide yeah and I got out yep. of my clear water bubble and I know <laughs> so. they opened up a new Narcanon in Mexico recently which they did. is very cool it, it's but, interesting but here's the thing I want the listeners to understand I mean obviously Jason works at Narcanon Suncoast and so we talk about Narcanon Suncoast because it's literally less than five miles from my house which is where we're recording but the Narcanon program the way it is now is a is a standard rehabilitation program and those steps that are done at Narconon Suncoast are going to be done at every single Narconon. So if you are listening and you are in India, for example, and you would love to come here, but maybe that's unrealistic. And so you're thinking about maybe checking out Narconon Nepal, you're going to get the same program, right? You're going to get the same steps that we talk about over and over again with the graduates. And ultimately, 75% of you are going to get the same result. So just just a point to be made there, yeah. which is what you're saying, which is that even though you don't speak the same language, you do speak the same language. To some, because, degree, to some degree, yeah. Because again, you know, we've, we've talked about how we're not trying to like lump all addicts in the exact same bucket, but 
you know, there are steps that, you know, an addict goes through when they're getting clean and sober and they're going to go through those same, most of those same steps in Italy and in Nepal as they are here in Clearwater. So kind of interesting. It it was definitely interesting, uh, you know, beyond the the conference I went to and everything like that was seeing LA. I never spent much time in Los Angeles. (laughs) So, I mean, I had the idea of like, oh, there's the Hollywood sign and there's Capitol Records and that's really cool. Um, but I, I don't think I had as much reality on that city as I do now. Around the corner from where we were staying at our hotel was like a, a, a homeless addict encampment under just like along the side of the road. There's people living in tents and I'm watching people sitting there nodding out um, and watching them, you know, smoking weed and doing other things. And it's just like homelessness is a big problem there apparently and i didn't get it and you know from all the homeless people i did see it it wasn't just like you know people that had just fallen on hard times these were these were drug addicts all of them i mean there there were needles that littered the streets and honestly walking down hollywood boulevard so people can have a mental picture of this the the narco international and able international main headquarters were right on hollywood boulevard and you step out that gate and you're in like the thick of everything the hard rock cafe and the chinese theater and like all sorts of stuff and there's what feels like thousands of people just like flowing in a sea up and down that street and i just couldn't get over the fact that the entire place constantly smells like pot yep people okay back up <laughs> marijuana is still only medically legal in you California. sure i think so i don't know if no they, have i they think, passed it I think it's recreational they have? Really, i believe so okay i think it is legal across the boards in california yay california either way it's like it's insane because you walk down the street and it, it's kind of bizarre because i've never really actually seen this in person until now as a you walk down the street and people are just smoking weed like it's nothing it's like what are you doing it, it's just wild and i'm seeing young kids that was one thing that bothered me as we were crossing the street um and it's this big kind of crosswalk area and next to me is like three like fifteen year old kids smoking a blunt. I'm like, I didn't have word. I didn't necessarily have words for it because I'm like, oh man, as I just see this, the, the kids getting set up for some sort of failures in regards to like avoiding addiction. And when you're growing up in a society and maybe in a city where drug use is so normalized, yep. Um, when I say normalized, like to me, even heroin is normalized out there because anyone who has any kind of, you know. Um, ability to observe obvious things is you're walking around that city you're seeing upstanding people walking well quote unquote upstanding people walking around smoking pot like there's you know you know no end in sight and then there's other people that are just littering the streets you know falling over from you know heroin opioid use and, and just needles strewn everywhere um and it's just it was kind of wild to me because you know, Clearwater is not a city like that. Clearwater is kind of like tame as far as that's concerned. That's a big bustling city. And just that one little section, I'm talking about like a quarter of a mile stretch of road. And I got to see everything that I feel like is wrong with that city <laughs> um, as far as the drug the drug crisis goes. Because it was absolutely insane to see that. Yep. That- I was going to say that has to be like somewhat of an isolated area in L.A. Because my grandkids are in L.A. And so I go there all the time. I've never, ever seen that, ever. Yes, I've seen the big marijuana leaf signs, you know, in the places where you can buy it. But around the area where they live, I mean, I walk all the time. Mm -hmm. I've never seen anything like that. However, Hollywood is kind of a different animal, if you will. And you were in Hollywood. Yeah, it's just this little stretch on Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood. And um, I'm not saying usually, well, this 
because it's like this, the rest of LA is, you know, messed up. I'm not no, saying I know. That. I feel like that that little thing is like a small representation of just the overall, like the problem in the whole country. Basically, it's because you literally, I literally in a quarter of a mile saw everything you could possibly see. It's right. Hard, it was like, it was actually kind of crazy. Right. And then we'd all go retreat back into uh, the Narcan International Naval International Headquarters and we go, go, it's safe in here. Right. And um, it was, just, it was a very cool experience, very eye opening as well. And, um, you know, it just made me feel even more empowered and even better about what I'm doing to affect the change in the world because that's what you and I are doing on a that's weekly right. basis. We're trying to affect the change out there. That's right. Um, and in the and then in the conference, you know, the executive director of Narcon International, he got up and said, you know, look, the drug crisis is not getting better. But what we can do is we can better ourselves and our delivery of this program to other people out there who are struggling with drug abuse and get them clean and then get more people clean. And the more people we can get clean, that's what we can do. Right. We can, uh, you know, take in people that are hoping addicted to drugs and return them back to society as a constructive contributing members of society and the more we can clean up at least that's the less amount of addicts that are still out there you know being completely unhandled right and um it's a very powerful thing it was like i said before it was a great experience but it was also good to come home and say all right back on the floor let's let's start running get things done and um it's it just it's just really 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 cool. cool. Now, um, any other perspectives from some of the other parts of the world, um, Mexico or Italy? Just any? Did they share anything about what they're seeing in their country? There, yeah, yes and no. Is more on a generalized basis. Is just that they're seeing no end of drug abuse it seems like the you can take in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, but there'll never be a shortage of people who need rehab, right? Because you can take in as many people as you can hold and build as many buildings as you can to hold more people. There's still going to be a need for you know rehabilitation. And we all know across the world that we have the most workable program and it works the best you know, out of all the other modalities that exist out there. And so it's like we just keep doing it and keep doing it. But the overall consensus is like, yeah, there's a massive drug problem that's right. not slowing down. Right. Um, and that's where I always talk about the fact that you know, the United States especially needs that whole paradigm shift and, you know, a different viewpoint on how we deal with our problems. And, you know, I got up there and spoke um, at times during this conference and I said, you know, we all understand that drug addiction is a, is a pattern of behaviors that are constructed and put together in an attempt to solve a problem. But we have to get to the point where it's like drugs don't register as a logical solution for uh, to a problem. Right. That's where the whole shift in a viewpoint needs to change. Yep. Um, I think also in the same way that Dave Chase was saying is that, I think this is one of the points he was making. There's really overprescription of drugs in this country. I think, you know, I think that the viewpoint is, oh, well, let's just prescribe it just in case. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you we've said this before, you have to own your own health. I have a good friend who... Um, had a heart attack right. and had to get a couple stents put in. And okay, then, you know, you have to get a stent put in typically because your arteries have gotten thick and, sure. you know, and, and there's some blockage there. Okay, so it makes sense that you might need to take some form of blood thinner. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this particular person was prescribed actually three different kinds of blood thinner and one 
Well, one of those was to address cholesterol, and this person didn't have high cholesterol. Mm -hmm. And then another one to address high blood pressure, and this person's blood pressure was low. And so, you know, this person's questioning, why do I need to take all of these drugs? And so then, of course, you know, the guy went to another doctor and another doctor who said, yeah, no, you're right. You don't need these other two drugs. But, you know, if we're just trusting and we just go, oh, you know, doctor knows best, you walk out with four or five different prescriptions, which you don't need. And I, I don't know exactly, you know, how we address that. I think, you know, we've talked about the fact that doctors are not necessarily um, trained in nutrition, because Mm -hmm. a lot of times there are nutritional alternatives. But on the other side of that, and this is what you're saying, we as Americans want a quick fix. Yeah, that's and the so thing. rather than, you know, this particular individual going on a heart healthy diet for the rest of his life, it's like, okay, give me a pill, you know, this will be an easy fix. You know, and I, I think, and I think that, you know, that that's, it goes both ways, you know, there's the doctors who are over prescribing, and then there's the patients who are wanting the over prescribing. So it's a, anyway, it's a bit of a vicious cycle. You know why we want a quick fix in this country? Because we don't want to work too hard. It's late. We're lazy. Yeah, because we don't want to work too we're hard. We're born and bred to be lazy and lazier with each generation. It's the same thing. You know what? That's the thing about Narconon compared to other programs. You can't come to Narconon and be lazy. It's not an easy I've, fix. I've been lazy in other programs because I would sit through you know, group meetings and AA meetings and stuff like that. And it's easy to coast through and just take your meds and hope for the best. Um, and the thing is that Narcon is not a quick fix and yeah. nothing that is a quick fix is good. And I've written so many articles about anything that promises, promises itself to be a quick fix, a magic cure, a silver bullet is all just snake oil. It's a that's joke. Right. It's not real. And that's honestly one of the key cultural differences between us and other countries as to why our addiction rates might be higher than others is because we are lazy and we don't want to put work in. Some people, if a doctor would tell most Americans like, hey, you're overweight and you've got type 2 diabetes, you've got high cholesterol and your heart's going bad. So all you need to do is, like you were saying, eat a heart-healthy diet, take some vitamins, do some exercise, and you're going to live a completely normal life. Or I can just give you this pill, um, and it it might work, it might not, but, you know. Why not try it? Why not try it? It, Most people are going to take that pill. Exactly. Because... Just to remind everybody, if you want more information on the podcast, or if you are addicted, or you know someone is addicted, and you would like more information about Narcan on Suncoast, you can call 877-339-3324. Once again, that's 877-339-3324. Here's the thing. There is no quick fix for addiction. Even people who have gotten clean and sober, mm-hmm. who did not do the Narconon program, because there are people out there, they are going to tell you it was not a quick and easy fix. There just isn't. When drugs take hold of the body, you're going to go through some nastiness, mm-hmm. you know? And there are some people who can just do it cold turkey on their own. Hey, more power to them. Mm-hmm. But even they're going to tell you it wasn't quick and it wasn't easy. No. Do you know? Yeah, and speaking of quick fixes... This is going to incense some people. Uh oh. The, in my opinion, you know, the opioid crisis is coming full circle. So, from my, in my eyes, it all kind of started with, with Purdue Pharma, you know, 
getting doctors to overprescribe um, OxyContin and misleading doctors thinking it's not addictive, it's not really a problematic drug, and it's got a low addictive potential and things like that. Yeah, but if we upset Purdue Pharma, I don't care. I'm, I'm fine okay. with that. I mean, <laughs> okay. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I don't know if... I mean, I've written... I, it should be fine. If Purdue Pharma's listening, if you're you guys listening, need to get I'm your not, act not together. To, like, We're not, not apologizing. Trying, like, I'm not, di- not trying... Uh, if Purdue Pharma's listening, I'm not trying to diss you completely. However, I'm just relaying data that I received. Um via the media and all it is is so okay let me back up just so we don't ruffle too many feathers i'm good at ruffling feathers back in the late 90s when the opioid epidemic was starting purdue pharma most notably was involved because there were some um marketing practices that some agencies in the government look at as unethical or misleading and so you know oxycontin made its way throughout the streets and you know as you know, OxyContin became popular and people got addicted, and then but you OxyContin's know, not addictive because Purdue Pharma said so. I'm being facetious. We might have to cut that part. I'm out. being very facetious. <laughs> we might <laughs> that part. We might need. to I'm cut. being facetious. It's very addictive, everybody. Um, that was a bad joke. Yeah. So um, then heroin took hold because the pills dried up and the pill mills got shut down and things like that. And so, and then we move on to the more current times and there, yes, of course there's tons of class action lawsuits and many actual like states suing Purdue Pharma. And it's just like, okay, got it. That's what's happened. The past is the past. We got to learn, we have to learn, we have to fix it. And one day to my dismay, I'm doing some research on the internet as I'm known to do. And I, I come across this story that Dr. Sackler and the Sacklers own Purdue Pharma. That's right. Just was granted a patent by the United States government for a reformulation of uh, buprenorphine, Suboxone, by brand name. So now Purdue Pharma is looking to produce a quote-unquote cure for opioid addiction that they might have helped to create, but now they're going to help to uncreate it. And I was like, "Oh God, I gotta, re- I have to read this. Like, what is this about?" And it was is that an upcoming it, blog. You, when I was reading this, I was getting so so annoyed and angry as I'm going through it because it was a very um. Oh, let's see. We started this opioid ec- epidemic. Now we can make more money because we can come up with a synthetic, quote unquote, cure for the opioid epidemic. We'll make a lot more money. People will still be addicted, but hey. Um, I don't know how much we can do that about Purdue Pharma. I think we, why not? Do you think we can get in trouble? Yeah, no. no I hope not. No, it's out. In, it's out in the media. They said okay. it wasn't addictive. I there said, are articles everywhere. Sure. Uh, sometimes I get nervous about taking on taking on these huge companies because it's like they'll try to stomp anybody out that's speaking any kind of truth. I suppose. But look, okay, here it is. I'm reading this thing, and basically. So there's the idea. Okay, so you can get Suboxone on the street. It's like really easy. You know, people will either like be prescribed it and not take it, or they'll pretend to take it and spit it out, and then they'll go get diverted onto the street. And so you're, I would call them street doctors when you're an opioid addict. Someone's going to try and patch you up with it. Whether it be you're going to buy heroin or Suboxone or Subsolve or Subutex or anything like that. Those are all formulations of buprenorphine. And uh, so there's a lot of the Suboxone on the streets, and so. Uh, this uh, Dr. Sackler saw a, a way to take the uh, the Suboxone tablet or film and make it so it dissolves instantaneously, so it can't be diverted onto the street. It's the reasoning behind them putting through this pad. And I'm just sitting there scratching my head. I'm like, that's kind of uh, 
Okay, I'm trying to try to find an appropriate adjective for this. That's kind of like a bold move to be in the spotlight. Like you guys may have created this entire problem, or at least catalyzed it, to say the least. And now you're going to come in and say, "Well, here's another one. Maybe this drug will fix it." It just and to me, it made me nauseous because I was like, "How dare they? How can they do this? How is this possible? This is even being allowed? Why is the United States government?" Like, almost sort of, like entertaining this. It well, just to me, it just seems like so like morally not okay. Like, I but don't, the other, but the other <laughs> viewpoint could be that they're trying to take responsibility for the like, opioid hey, epidemic, right. right? And the whole presidential commission. I mean, there were a lot of companies there who were attempting to come up with other solutions, either whether they were solutions for pain or solutions for addiction. Um, you know, the, the difficulty is, and, you know, we've talked about this many times, and I repeat this message over and over again, especially when we tour somebody through Narcanon, is there's a movement out there to say that if you are addicted to methadone, suboxone, or kratom or marijuana, that you're sober. And our definition of sober is drug-free. Drug-free. Like you don't need a drug every day when you wake up in the morning to get through the day, whether it's a drug or whether it's alcohol. I want to, I almost want to look up the definition in the dictionary of the word sober. See if we can, it's just, it's interesting that, 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 that word can be given so many kind of like arbitrary definitions based on people's opinions. Yeah. It's like, what is sober? You're not using drugs. But that's the, the whole, way I've always understood it. But the whole movement that's trying to do this is the psychiatric profession. And the whole DSM is based on opinion. You and I decide that there is a ketchup disorder. And you and I are psychiatrists. And we submit that to the DSM. And now there's a code for ketchup disorder and a related drug. I'm just saying. I, yeah. No, I, so, I, I, I got it. So, so they're <laughs> trying to redefine the word sober to include someone who has to take methadone every day or has to take Suboxone every day. And I know we're going to irritate people when this goes up because there are people who think that methadone and Suboxone are the best things in sliced bread. And I'm sorry, that doesn't fit our definition of sober. People walk out of the Narconom program completely drug and alcohol free. Okay, they don't need to have a drink to get through the day. They don't need to smoke a joint. They don't need to pop Suboxone to get through the day. And that's the goal. Yeah. And I'm not going to apologize for that. No, I, the thing I'm thinking of is just like, are we that that sensitive of a society that's like everyone's getting upset and hurt by like the, I want to say labels or stigma, but it's just like, oh, but I want to be considered sober. How dare you say I'm not sober, even though I'm taking my drugs. And it's like, you have another person over here is like, well, I'm not taking drugs and I'm sober. It's like, who cares? Look, if you're on drugs, you're not sober, period. That's my opinion. Right. It's like, we all have to just, just drop well, all like the, it, it, it's like. But this is our opinion. And if someone wants to start is. the methadone podcast, go for it. Or the Suboxone podcast, go for and it. And there are, I mean, and, and there I'm are a, a huge but supporters. But I'm going to tell, tell you right now, that's not the goal. That's not the goal that Jason and I have. It's not the goal of Narconon. And once again, I'm not going to apologize for that. If you think I'm a bad person because I want you off Suboxone and off Methadone, shoot me. Yeah, Don't really shoot me, but you get it. Yeah, and, and you know, to, to segue into what I was just going to talk about next was I had a woman today uh, that came up and visited us from another treatment center. Okay. Uh, and she, uh, I guess someone in my office had set up the tour and 
she came up and she was kind of interested in what we did at Narcanon. And I showed her a video that I show everyone that comes up there that like literally knows nothing about what we do. And I show them a quick video and then they take them into an office and kind of like describe everything in, in full detail. And so, um, you know, she was from a more like traditional quote unquote, I'm doing a little quote things in the air, traditional rehab. And uh, I, when she's watching that video, I saw this like very puzzled look come over her face. And I was like, okay, we're going to have to sort this one out. And then we went to the office and talked about it. And as you know, we got in communication, I started telling her, you know, about what we do and how we do it. And she's describing what they do and how they do it. And then she looked at me and I said, this, this is kind of like not realistic to you, is it? And she said, you know, honestly, I, I can't say that it is because it's so vastly different than what I even, how I even, I got clean her talking about herself. And I was like, oh, I get that. And I said, you know, a lot of people come here because the other things haven't worked and they were looking for something different. I understand this is a complete 180. Right. From what you guys do. Right. And um, it was interesting to see how, you know, another person, a professional person at another rehabilitation center can come over, you know, not that far away from their treatment center and, and, and be exposed to something that it, to me, it's so workable and common sense that it doesn't compute with, um, you know, the psychiatric and the 12-step field necessarily because they have just such a strong viewpoint on the um the idea that it's a lifelong incurable disease that comes with co-occurring mental disorders and there's a set way you handle it and you've got little like adjunct therapies like you know meditation or yoga or acupuncture all sorts of other stuff and that's all well and good and fine but it's it's funny because in that whole world they literally think there's not much else out there that's real workable because it's not medicalized yep that there's a very very heavy medical approach to you know handling addiction you know generally with them and it was, it was it was funny i thought it was funny in a way that's just like wow you know like this is just doesn't even make sense to this woman because it's just so different yeah and everything she's done has been exposed to and it was really cool because i kind of went through and broke it each part down um and the more we talked about it and she she would you know make some originations about her program and i would tell her more about what we're doing here and each step away as we started to get through it i started to see her face change until where she's like uh, okay, I think I got that. You know, it started to make a lot more sense. And then I showed her around and she thought it was absolutely awesome. Right. Um, and so that's an important thing for me, at least, because I want to make people completely aware that there's other things out there than other than what you're doing. And if what you're doing out there is in the medical field and it's not working as well as you'd like it to work, come see what we're doing at Narcanon because it is vastly different. And so it's always nice to enlighten people in a complete, like, polar opposite approach of what they're doing. Yeah. And, um, that's something I'm going to keep doing because the more I get the word out and you and I get the word out doing this about how the program works, what we're doing and the changes we're trying to create, the more people become aware of it. And that's, that's the, the end goal. And to kind of circle back to the Narcanon conference, that was like the whole thing. It's like, you've got this worldwide network of people that all use the same program and the same technology that works no matter what country you're in, no matter what drugs you're coming off of and no matter what language you speak or wherever it works. And it's cool because you're in this big team together. Um, and that really makes you feel powerful. That's almost one of those things that's way bigger than yourself. Yep. It's more of like a thing that we're doing to help mankind as a whole. Yep. And it's a very cool thing to be a part of. And I'm glad you're a part of it too. Me too. Uh, it's a uh, it's a very awesome it's a very awesome and empowering thing. Um, not to mention uh, we got back up to uh, capacity this week. Wow, Narcan on Suncoast. It's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's very 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 cool. And so um, we're just gonna keep rolling, keep doing things, and saving lives and giving people back to their families that can you know 
not be a liability anymore. Yep. I mean, and that's and that's the best and that's the best thing in the world to do. Agreed. And you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you want to help or you want to become a part of the movement mm-hmm. to get people off of drugs. Uh, the Addiction Podcast has a Facebook page. You can like the page. You can comment on the page. Um, you can go to iTunes. You can find the Addiction Podcast point of no return. You can subscribe. You can give us a good review. And that all helps because what we want to do is be found on iTunes and found on other podcast platforms so that more and more people will listen. Because truth, truthfully, one of our goals is to have Narcanon be the traditional rehab rather than the alternative rehab, because just because uh, the fact that we know that it works. You know, every time Steve and I tour like a judge or an attorney or somebody like that through Narcanon, uh, they'll say, why isn't this done everywhere? Why isn't this program done everywhere? And that's the whole point. That's what we want. You know, so that's the message that we want to get out there. And you can help us, you know, you can subscribe and you can, you know, interact with us on Facebook. And that's how you can help us. Speaking of interacting on Facebook, I'd like to invite our audience to have a conversation on uh, from this week's podcast. episode. And you and I are regularly talking about you know, suboxone, methadone, medically assisted treatment versus um, drug-free abstinence-based recovery. Right. I want to see where our audience is at with their opinions on it. So sure. I'd like to invite everyone that's listening to this. Um, what's your opinion? Does medically assisted treatment work better than abstinence-based? Um, if so, how? Good. That would be good. They can do it either on your Facebook page, which is Norkin on Suncoast, right? Mm-hmm. Or the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. Either one. Let us hear from you. We are open to communication and comments. And we will be back next week. We've got a couple interviews coming up. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure exactly when they will they will be published, but we've got a couple of interviews. One with a an author who wrote a book about dealing with life after rehab, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of interesting. And also another with a Narcanon graduate who is also the mother of a Narcanon graduate. Awesome. So I think that'll be an interesting perspective. Very so cool. definitely come back to us, subscribe on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you're on and spread the word. Absolutely. And we'll talk again next week. Next week. Take care. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, call 877-339-3324 or visit www.narcanonsuncoast.org. Narcanon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard. 